Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. All right, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. We're going to study most of this chapter today. I'm going to be reading out the New Living Translation, so if you're using your phone, you can pull that up if you want to. And you know, it's rare to read this much scripture in church services these days. We've kind of become accustomed to our 30-minute entertaining motivational speech. (laughs) It makes us feel good and it's fun, but there's no lasting impact without the Word of God. In these last days, we must hunger for nothing more than the Word of God. You're not going to make it without the Word of God. So you're going to have to use discipline today to stay focused. Everybody likes that word, right? Discipline. I recommend you put in the work and go ahead and deny your flesh. Anybody want to, has that, have you crucified your flesh yet today? Because <laughs> that's something we have to do daily. Deny your fle- flesh, resist the distractions, and let's listen intently to the word of God because it's powerful. So Luke chapter 8, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, I love that in a culture that didn't talk much about women, that he pointed out the women that were helping Jesus in his ministry. Did you know that he wouldn't have been able to do what he did on the earth without the women? Women, you are a great support to the men. Yes, the men are called to be leaders, but they can't lead without you. They can't do it without you. I can't do it without Beth. Like, I recognize that. And any man that thinks he can do it without without woman's help, Adam couldn't even do it, right? God gave him a helper. So on behalf of all the men in the room, we're thankful for our help. (laughs) We need our help. Amen. (laughs) Because you know we need help, right? You're welcome. Yes, amen. Now, one day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and this seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. You know, he would say the same thing to you. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I used parables to teach the others so that the scripture might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they become, they believe for a little while, then they fall away when they face temptation. 
The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. We're going to pause right there for a minute. How many of you have heard this parable used to teach about financial giving? If you've heard it that way, raise your hand for me. That's all? That's why we refer to it as sowing a seed and expecting a harvest, right? How many of you have heard that when it's talking about giving? Sowing seed. Okay. I believe this is an accurate use of this scripture because the law of sowing and reaping is part of the kingdom of God. In this parable, Jesus is teaching that so, about sowing the word of God and reaping a harvest of salvation. But it also applies to literally sowing a seed in a garden, right? It works that way too. It applies to giving finances. It applies to how you treat people. That which a man sows, that shall he also reap. So do you have a problem sowing a tomato seed and reaping a harvest of beautiful tomatoes? Does anybody have a problem with that in the room? Nobody. But, but you didn't even create the seed, you didn't cause it to grow. You simply put it in the ground, you watched over it, and now you think you can just pick off all those tomatoes and eat them? Yeah, you do. None of us have a problem with this tiny seed that produces a harvest too great to count, right? That's why it's called a hundredfold return, because from seed to harvest is an unfathomable calculation. You can't understand it. And I know the NLT said 100 times, but what we're really talking about is 100-fold. That's when it doubles every time you fold it. We're talking about the seed to the 100th power. For example, if you take the number 2 to the 100th power, now 200 times is 200, right? But 2 to the 100th power, here's what you get. Who wants to take a stab at this? It's incomprehensible to the human mind how a little seed can produce a big plant that then produces massive amounts of fruit. That's wild. It's wild. Again, we don't have a problem with this. As a matter of fact, we expect it to happen. How many gardeners do we have in the room? You expect your plants to grow. That seed best become a tomato plant or I'm going to be upset that it did not fulfill God's design. But most of us, when we sow financial seed by giving to church, we have a problem expecting a hundredfold return on our seed. We think, I shouldn't get that much. I didn't work for it. Why would God give me such a big return on this little amount that I invested into his kingdom? Or maybe you think it didn't work last time, so it probably doesn't work at all. Gotcha. Yeah, we always giggle whenever it hits us, right? <laughs> it's thoughts like these that prevent our seed from producing the massive harvest that it was designed to produce. Our wrong thinking, it steals the seed. Or it kills the plant before it grows into maturity. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus teaches us how to care for our seed. How many of y'all want to know how to care for it? Let's look at, the, at uh, this in the King James Version. This is Luke 8.15, it says, but on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. 
So according to this verse, three things are required for your seed to bear fruit. Number one, right motivation. You have to have an honest and good heart. Number two, you have to continue to believe. You have to keep it, hold fast. And number three, you have to wait on the harvest. You have to be patient. I bet you can easily identify where you went wrong. Look, one of those three. Why did I never see my harvest? I bet you can find it right there. Maybe, <laughs> probably patience. Maybe your motivation is off. If you got a hundredfold return, you would just sit on your fanny and pamper yourself. That's called wrong motivation. Maybe you gave up because it didn't come in your timing. You wanted the harvest the next day. You planted a seed at church on Sunday because you needed a financial miracle on Monday. So you abandoned your seed when it didn't come quickly because you were impatient. Identify where your problem is so you can fix it. Because it's vital that you do because we're all called to demonstrate the kingdom of God. We're all called to do that. Where there is always more than enough. The church should be the most wealthy entity on the earth. Yes. Our resources should be so vast that we have no problem taking care of all the widows and all the orphans. We should possess the best land in the city. And we should build things that glorify God and demonstrate the magnificence of his kingdom. Because there is that much resource that we can take care of all the orphans. We can take care of all the widows. We can possess the best land. Serge can have a plane where he flies us around. I mean, this is, Serge has a vision for that too. There are several that have a vision for us to have planes. Apparently, we're going to be traveling in the near future. There's three people in this small church. They're like, I'm called to have a jet and, and help people travel for the kingdom of God. Who's thinking the church shouldn't have a jet right now? You don't have to raise your hand. We are called to rule and to reign. And it's not because we created this harvest out of our own effort. We simply plant the seed, watch over it, and patiently wait while God creates the harvest. And then we put in the work of the harvest. You have to gather it. Did that help anybody? We have to wait. That's probably where most of us miss it, huh, is the patience. We plant our seed, and then we just walk away. You know, this really helped me because I didn't realize I had a problem expecting a hundredfold return from my financial seed until this last week. Whenever I was reading this scripture, as I read it, the Holy Spirit said this to me. Here's how he corrected me. He said, hey, you don't have a problem expecting a hundredfold return from a natural seed, do you? No, no, sir, I don't. Why do you have a problem expecting the same from your financial seed? Yeah, that was me. I was silent after that. Didn't have an answer for that. <laughs> Just a heart of repentance. Forgive me, Lord. I'm going to expect that hundredfold return. And for me, it was a problem because I didn't feel like I deserved a massive harvest. I, uh, I wanted to be able to say that I worked for it. I earned that. It was a result of my effort. But the reality is that's prideful thinking. Man, so I renewed my thinking and I updated my expectation. When I sow financial seed, I'm, I expect a hundredfold return. I will use that return to advance the kingdom of God. 
I will continue to believe and I will wait patiently on the Lord while the harvest grows into maturity. It's required. Plant your seed, watch over it, and wait patiently for the harvest. What if we all did that? Yep. All right, let's continue. We're in verse 16. No one lights a lamp. So this is a continuation of what Jesus was talking about. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to the light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they have, even what they think they understand, will be taken away from them. You know, this seems like another topic, but it's actually a continuation of what Jesus was just talking about in the parable of the sower. He revealed how to get God's word to produce a huge harvest in our lives, and now he's given us more insight into how this is going to happen. Things that have been concealed in the word of God are going to be illuminated, illuminated. And I've noticed this to be a continual progression. As time goes on, the Holy Spirit illuminates more of the word of God. Things that we have never seen are coming into the light. The words have always been on the page. You may have read them a hundred times already, but we just didn't understand them until now. The light turns on and we see it. The things that were concealed are coming into the light. And in this season that we're in right now, Right now, it is especially easy to extract things from the Word of God. All who dedicate time to the Word of God are being filled with revelation through the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. I've been studying the Word of God consistently for over a decade now. I spent two years in Bible school, but the Word has never been more alive than it is right now. If you aren't consistently spending time in the Word of God, you're missing out on miraculous encounters. You really are. The Holy Spirit is so eager to reveal God's Word to you, to you. You just have to get in it instead of watching your favorite show or whatever else is distracting you. <laughs> Vista says amen to that, but she was the only one. <laughs> there are so many distractions Get rid of them. Get rid of them. I know the Holy Spirit's already urging you to do it. Just go ahead and obey because he has something so good for you on the other side. The word of God is better. It's better than your favorite show. So pay close attention to how you hear God's word. You know, everyone in this room is hearing the word right now, but not everybody is listening. There's a difference. Hearing is not enough. You must also listen. You must lean in to what God is saying and you must obey what he teaches because when you do, more understanding will be given. More understanding will be given. But if you don't listen, even what you think you know will be whoop, taken away from you. Taken away. I mean, how, how, how many of you have ever met somebody who thinks they know something? <laughs> but it's quite obvious they don't. <laughs> this is why they heard it. 
but they didn't act on it. They didn't obey, and now what they thought they knew was taken away from them, and they're just looking like an idiot and don't even realize it. So pay attention to how you hear. Pay attention to how you hear. It takes discipline to listen. It takes sacrifice to obey. But it's worth it because more understanding will be given as you listen and obey. More understanding. Who wants more understanding? Who wants multiplied understanding? Well, you got to listen and obey. I know a lot of people get stuck. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. It doesn't even seem like the Lord's talking to me, right? It's like, well, what did he tell you last? Uh, a couple years ago, he said this. Did you do it? No. That's the thing. That's it. We nailed it on the head right there. Go ahead and do that, and more understanding will be given. Amen. Let's keep reading. Where are we at? Verse 19. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped and was all calm. And then he asked them, Where is your faith? Where is it? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? You've been following the guy for how long now? Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Wow. Notice how Jesus calmed the storm, even when the disciples' faith was nowhere to be found. They didn't have faith, but what they did do was run to Jesus when they were in trouble. Let that be a lesson for you. Let it be an encouragement to you. Run to Jesus when you're in trouble, whether you have faith or not. Just run to him. Run to him because he calms the storm even when your faith is nowhere to be found. Jesus fills the gaps in our faith. He makes up the difference. All we have to do is run to him. Not your best friend. Run to Jesus when you find yourself in trouble. Let's keep going. Verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, across from the Lake of Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside of the town. And as soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of this man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered into the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the, the hillside into the lake and drowned. That's devastating for a farmer. 
now that I have farm animals, I'm like, oh no, all that work raising those pigs. But there's a few things I want to point out that give us clarity about casting out demons. It said this man had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs for a long time. And this reveals that those who are possessed by demons are what they're dealing with. They feel alone, homeless. They feel alone. They feel ashamed, naked. And they're dead inside. They're hanging out with the tombs, in the tombs. And I don't know about you, but this gives me compassion for the person who is dealing with demons. It gives me compassion. It helps me to separate the person from the demons. This is a person needing freedom. Also in verse 29, it says that this spirit had often taken control of the man. I love that word often. Because in other words, even though this guy had many demons, they were still not in full control. The Greek word translated to legion refers to a group of about 7,000 soldiers. So this man had thousands of demons, yet they still couldn't control him all the time. This tells me that demons cannot possess your spirit. They can possess your body and your mind, but they cannot possess your spirit. But in that same verse, in the NLT, it says that even when he was placed under guard, he broke the chains and shackles completely under the demon's power. So what is it? The demon often controlled him or he was completely under the demon's power? Does anybody else read the word like that? When I find a contradiction in my mind, I'm like, well, what is it? And the Holy Spirit will show you. He's okay with that question. The King James Version clears this up for us. Verse 29, it says, For oftentimes he had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. So the King James Version uses the word caught instead of control. And this word is defined as to seize by force to seize by force. So imagine somebody being arrested. They're put in jail. Someone else now has control of their surroundings, which impacts their physical body and impacts their mind, but they still do not have full control of that person, do they? Demons can make you sick. They can insert ungodly thoughts that wreak havoc on your emotions, but they cannot have full control. Even this man who had thousands of demons, that's a lot. They still couldn't control him all the time. This is why many of those dealing with demons seem to have two personalities. They're sweet one moment and nasty the next. They feel good one day and they're depressed the next. You're seeing the actual person contrasted with the manifestation of the demon. That's why the Holy Spirit gives us this gift called discerning of spirits. The one we don't talk about very much. We're okay with all the others. Well, not everybody's okay with all the others, but we are. We have yet to talk about this one much, discerning of spirits. Some people misuse that, saying they can, they just have the gift of discernment. <laughs> no, it says discerning of spirits. There's, we'll get into that another time. That's not for today. But that we get, we're given that gift so we can know what we're dealing with. Is this the person? Is this a manifestation? We need to know. Did you notice the NLT's phrase, at the end of that verse where it said completely under the demon's power. Do you see it here? It's not in the King James Version. It's not there. So that means it's not in the original text because King James is a, what do you call it, a literal translation? And this is called a paraphrase translation or something like that, NLT. So the NLT was adding that phrase in hopes of bringing clarity to you. But in this case, I think it brings confusion. 
Turns out there's no contradiction here. There's not one. Although the man was often seized by a legion of demons, they didn't have full control. Isn't that good news? The last thing I want to point out about this specific deliverance is that the demons didn't come out immediately. Anybody catch that? They stalled. They begged Jesus to leave them alone. When this happens, we follow the example of Jesus. Don't give in. They're required to obey the authority of Christ. They're required to. This doesn't mean that we make it this long, drawn-out process. What we just read most likely transpired in just a few minutes. Don't give in to the stalling tactic. Just command the demons to obey until they come out. And don't get bent out of shape when the demons stall or even if they talk to you. Don't let that scare you or throw you off. They're just trying to intimidate, aren't they? They did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to you. (laughs) Who's ready for that? Y'all are looking at me with, man, you're staring at me. Wow. (laughs) Just keep your peace. Command the demon to obey. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He's given that authority to you. Use it. You have all authority. You have it all. So let's keep reading. We're at verse 34. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. I love how that's referred to as healing. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat, and he left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. My goodness. Somehow we've come to believe that being a Christian means that everyone's going to accept you. You're going to become popular. The main theme for many churches these days is acceptance. What a deception. My goodness. Even when Jesus did good things, like he just delivered this man who had been possessed by thousands of demons for a long time. Even then, they begged him to leave them alone. They didn't want him. And what did Jesus do when he was rejected? What did he do? He left. (laughs) He left. When he was not wanted, he left. He did not force himself on anyone. He did not shove the gospel down their throats. He left. However, he didn't leave with this haughty attitude like many self-righteous Christians do today. Yes, he left, but I imagine that he left weeping. I do. I think that he did. Jesus wants nothing more than for everyone to be a part of the kingdom of God. And at the same time, he knows that many people are going to choose otherwise. You can't force people into the kingdom of God. So thankful for this Sunday school series we're doing about sharing Christ because none none of it is about forcing the gospel down their throat. It's so good. The teaching is so good. You can't force people into the kingdom of God. You can't manipulate them. You can't coerce them. That's not how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom of darkness works, but it's not how the kingdom of God works. They have to choose it. So our job is to let people know about the kingdom of God. And then it's up to them to choose. And if they choose otherwise, don't stick around and beg. Don't do it. Leave them alone and go tell somebody else. Shake the dust off your feet. He taught this in many places, didn't he, Jesus? 
because he knew we'd have a problem with it. We want to stick around till we get a yes. We don't care if they just repeat the salvation prayer to get us off their back either, but we want to hear that prayer. That's not the example of Jesus. All right, verse 38. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. We're going to stop right there today. I want you to notice that this man wanted to go into ministry with Jesus. Wouldn't you? But Jesus wouldn't let him. Your assignment in the kingdom of God isn't always the obvious choice. When people sense the call of God on their life or God does something amazing in their life, they pigeonhole themselves into the functions of the church. The obvious choice is to become a pastor or an evangelist or a prophet or an elder or a deacon or all those things. But you need to dig deeper. You need to dig. In this case, the man's assignment was to focus on his family. Jesus said, don't join my ministry because you're called to teach your family about the goodness of God. Let that encourage all the mothers in the room. So there's a video I want to share with you, and I want you to pay close attention to this because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to use this video to course correct several of you. It's time for us all to get positioned where we belong in the kingdom of God. So go ahead and take a look. Question, what are you called to do? Ask that question because we won't be judged according to what we did in life, but rather what we were called to do in life. Imagine with me standing before the throne of God and a scenario like this occurred. Evangelist Anderson, come forth and give an account of your stewardship on earth. Evangelist Anderson, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I, I'm an accountant. I, 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 I had an accounting firm. I had an evangelist Anderson. Where are the 347,566 souls I called you to impact in Asia, son? Where are they? I'm an, I'm an accountant. I, I had an accounting firm. I, I, I helped churches. I helped ministries with their, their, their finances. Son, where are the 347,566 souls in Asia I called you to impact? Son, where are they? Had you sought me, had you sought my face, I would have revealed this to you. Accountant Jones, step forward and give an account of your stewardship. Uh, Accountant Jones? No, I, no, I'm not. I pastor for 35 Jones. years. I, I, I had a, a membership of 750 people. Accountant Jones, I called you to the marketplace. Had you done this, you would have significantly impacted two people. You and those two men would have helped churches with their finances, and those churches would have impacted 751,321 souls. If you would have sought me, I, I would have revealed this to you.
Sister Smith, come forth and give an account of your stewardship. children in your way. Sister Smith, I never called you to preach to nations. I never called you to go to other countries on missionary trips. I called you to raise three children. And let me show you one million five hundred seventy nine thousand five hundred forty one souls those three children impacted you saw me and you heard my voice you were obedient to my call well done my good and faithful servant Enter into the joy of your Lord. So remember, in regards to the calling that's on your life, you won't be judged according to what you did. You will be judged according to what you were called to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not what you think you should do. Not what somebody else thinks you should do. You must seek God until he reveals your assignment in the kingdom of God. No one else can reveal your calling. It only comes by revelation through the Holy Spirit. He will show you through visions. He will show you through dreams. And he'll even speak to you through that still small voice that's on the inside. He will then confirm what he tells you through others. He'll confirm it over and over again. It's amazing. It's incredible. Listen to me. Personal prophetic words. They're great to get. It's awesome when somebody prophesies over you. But they should always be a confirmation of something that the Holy Spirit has already put on the inside of you. If someone prophesies your assignment, but it doesn't resonate with you, they probably missed it. Don't put your faith in the words of somebody else. Put your faith in God. God will reveal your purpose to you. And then he will confirm it through the words of others as long as you have positioned yourself around the body of Christ. He'll do it. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.